Friday, April the 23rd, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, Russian military de-escalation and American capital gains tax. First, the world in brief. The Russian defence minister ordered troops at the border with Ukraine to withdraw. Sergei Shoigu said the goals of the build-up, which was thought to involve more than 100,000 soldiers and caused weeks of geopolitical tension, had been, quote, fully achieved. But flickers of worry remain. The BBC reported that Russia is planning to block areas of the Black Sea, which would affect Ukrainian ports. American stock markets sank following reports that President Joe Biden was planning to raise capital gains taxes on the highest earners to fund education and childcare programs. It was reported that he would propose to nearly double taxes on investment income for those earning more than $1 million, which would need the approval of Congress. Mr. Biden has promised not to raise taxes on households earning less than $400,000. The Board of Taiwan's semiconductor manufacturing company approved an investment of $2.9 billion to increase its production of semiconductors, which are in a global shortage. The scarcity prompted Ford to extend the idling of five vehicle assembly plants in North America. Renault, a French car maker, also said that production and revenues had been dented by the chip shortage. The biennial Tokyo Motor Show scheduled for October was cancelled for the first time ever, casting further doubt on the viability of the Tokyo 2020 Olympic Games as they are still known in August. Either way, Japan is today expecting data to dampen hopes for a speedy recovery from last year's recession, as well as an order putting Tokyo and three other prefectures back into lockdown. Germany's finance minister Olaf Scholz said the government bore no responsibility for the Wirecard scandal. Speaking to a parliamentary inquiry investigating how 1.9 billion euros, 2.3 billion dollars went missing from the company's accounts last June, Mr Scholz blamed EY, an auditing firm, for failing to pick up on dodgy accounting practices. But he did admit weaknesses in Germany's regulatory system, which he oversees. HBO, a television network, increased the number of American subscribers to its max streaming service by 2.7 million to 9.7 million in the first three months of this year. That increase, greater than analysts had expected, was also larger than that seen at Netflix, HBO Max's arch-rival, which gained only 450,000 new subscribers in America and Canada over the same period. Jordan released 16 people detained for, quote, sedition, weeks after state authorities said they had foiled a bid to destabilise the kingdom. The memo released at the request of King Abdullah II, Jordan's ruler. Two key suspects, the former chief of the royal court and the former special envoy to Saudi Arabia, were kept in detention. And editor's note. In the coming months, you may notice as we test some changes to Espresso. We will keep it brief as ever. Our stories each day will cover a wider range of topics and may be updated more frequently. As we experiment, we welcome feedback from you. Tell us what you like or don't. We hope to serve up the strongest shot of daily news, analysis and commentary possible. Write to the Espresso Editor Adam Roberts at editor-espresso at economist.com. And now here's today's agenda. For the record, Joe Biden and Armenian history. Events of over a century ago are still straining America's relationship with Turkey. Tomorrow, Joe Biden is expected to refer to the massacres and forced deportation of Armenians by Ottoman forces during the First World War, in which hundreds of thousands died as genocide. 
Doing so would make Mr Biden the first sitting president since Ronald Reagan to use the term in reference to the killings. Other presidents have shied away from the designation to avoid enraging Turkey, which denies a genocide took place. A decade ago, recognition would have been a major blow to relatively cordial relations with a key ally. Today, America and Turkey are at odds over a number of regional conflicts and Turkey's defence cooperation with Russia. Rather than sparking a new crisis, Mr Biden's words will only deepen an ongoing one. Expect furious rebukes from Turkish officials nonetheless. The Elephant in the Room ASEAN Summit on Myanmar Tomorrow, the Club of Southeast Asian Countries will hold an emergency meeting in Jakarta, Indonesia's capital, to discuss the crisis in Myanmar. Its army seized power in a coup in February and has since killed over 730 people in its efforts to crush the protest movement that has arisen in opposition to it. ASEAN usually refrains from weighing in on its members' domestic affairs. It is making an exception for Myanmar. With thousands of refugees fleeing into neighbouring India and Thailand, the crisis is fast becoming a problem for the region. The talks, intended to eventually broker peace, are a baby step. But ASEAN is already in trouble for inviting Myanmar's commander-in-chief, Minon Lang, and failing to include the opposition, a national unity government formed of deposed politicians. But if ASEAN had invited the latter, General Minon Lang might have refused to attend. Getting both parties to the negotiating table may be ASEAN's biggest challenge yet. Splitting hairs. COVID-19 vaccines on trial. Many countries offer a choice of COVID-19 vaccines. Naturally, people wonder which is best. A study of more than 370,000 people in Britain published today has some answers. From 21 days post-vaccination, a single dose of the AstraZeneca vaccine was 64% effective against any infection. The Pfizer jab was 67% effective. In a single dose, the two vaccines were also similarly effective against symptomatic infection, reducing the odds of one by about 70%. Some infected people, whether they have symptoms or not, have a high viral load, which makes them more contagious. On that measure too, the two vaccines looked equally good, preventing about 75% of cases with high viral loads. Data to compare two doses of each vaccine are still being gathered, but these results suggest that the jabs are more similar than people might think. Panic in the air. India's hospitals in collapse. India started clocking more than 300,000 daily cases of COVID-19 on Wednesday, a world record, then hit nearly a third of a million yesterday, the steep curve suggests worst milestones still ahead. The first wave, when the daily peak almost touched 100,000 cases last September, now feels almost like a fond memory. Officially, around 2,250 Indian patients died yesterday, but stacks of bodies waiting at pyres give the lie to that figure. The virus itself has become more transmissible, perhaps also more lethal. The life and death difference, however, is that medical systems have collapsed. A striking example is the sudden shortage of medical oxygen. States are now scuffling over access to more and faulting the national government for having allowed profiteering on exports of supplies. Delhi is airlifting in cylinders of liquefied oxygen and, according to the government of Haryana state, looting others from its neighbours. The scramble for vaccines is not far behind, but there at least shortages are measured in weeks, not minutes. Cutting the lag. A remote rehearsal device. 
Today, the San Francisco Opera returns to the stage after a 16-month hiatus to perform an adapted version of Joaquino Rossini's The Barber of Seville. But how does an 18-piece ensemble rehearse during a pandemic? Getting together in person was impossible, and the time delay or latency of video calling was cumbersome. The answer was to use a new piece of low-latency technology that allowed the opera company to rehearse remotely. Aloha, a pocket-sized device developed by Oak Audio, an audio tech company, cuts audio lag from around 600 milliseconds to just 20 milliseconds, comparable to the performers being in the same room. Verizon, Ericsson and Vodafone, three telecoms giants, have invested in the technology, which holds promise for a range of time-critical industries. Remote teaching, robotic surgery and self-driving cars could also benefit from the technology. Aloha will not be entering an empty field. Other products like Jam Kazam, a music platform, also provide options for real-time collaboration. But it seems appropriate that a musical barber is among the first users of Aloha's delay-snipping prowess. Finally, here's the quote of the day from William Wordsworth, who died on this day in 1850. Getting and spending, we weigh laced our powers. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening. (laughs) 